in John, the book of John, the gospel of John, however you want to say it, chapter 1, we read these words. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Who is the Word? Jesus. Sunday school answer today. You can say it. Jesus. Always answer Jesus, right? He's the right answer. Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning. He was with God. He always was and always will be. He made this earth. He was part of it. He was there. Life is in Jesus. He came to this earth and He was not recognized as the light. Those who were supposed to be the most spiritual, the deepest, those who were seeking God, didn't recognize that the light was in the room. Didn't realize that they were in darkness and the light had appeared. I wonder how many times people sit in our churches all across the United States and all across the world and they're in darkness and they don't recognize the light is there. And Jesus is there. And He wants to give them life. Jesus is there to give you life. In Him was life. His life was the light to all men. When we continue to read in that passage, it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Who was that John? John the Baptist. Very good. So you guys are doing good. You know your Bible. That's awesome. John the Baptist was a witness. He said, look, I'm not the one. The one is coming. I'm just here to tell you He's here. I'm just here to help you open your eyes and see that there is light. And that light is Jesus. And He's here. And He wants to bring life into your life. As it's been said so many times from this platform, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make, de to make dead people alive. Because in our sin and in our trespasses, without God, we are dead. And Jesus came to give us life. To give us abundant life in John 10.10. 10. And John the Baptist is saying, look, the light is here. It's coming into the world. It is here. Open your eyes. See that there is light. See that He wants to give you life. You don't realize you're in the dark. You need the light so you can have life. Continuing in the passage of Scripture, He, meaning Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through Him. And the world did not know Him. 
He came to his own as his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. When I read that, that just jumped out at me. Because we hear so much in our society today about I have the right to do this or I have the right to do that. We have the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. I have the right to bear arms. We all love that one, right? But I have the right to a fair trial. I have the right to certain things. And we stand on a lot of those in our country and we growl about a lot of those. Johnny, how many times did you read the Miranda rights? <laughs> a lot, right? Everybody that watched any cop program ever knows you have the right to what? Remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. We know a lot of rights and we think that we believe that we have a lot of rights and we live in this country and we have rights. But I think there's something that we are missing in our life. I think we are missing that God has given us some rights. And we forgot about those rights. We don't live by those rights. It's like us walking around this country not living in the rights that we've been granted. But even more so because your spiritual life has an eternal difference to make. And you have, you have an eternity to spend in your soul. And you have a decision to make of where you're going to spend that. And through Christ, you have rights. And you can live by those rights. As we continue in those passages, you have the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You have the right to become a child of God. When you believe that God's only Son left heaven, came to this earth, lived for you and me, died on a cross to make the payment for your sins and my sins, rose again into life and seated now in the heavenlies on the right hand of God. When you believe that that is true and you receive that gift into your life, you have the right to become the child of God. I'm a blessed man. I grew up in a family where I was raised in the church and I knew that. I knew that from an early age. I knew that God loved me and He wanted me to be His child. And my parents were great examples of what a godly mom and dad should be. I have that blessing. I know some of you may not have had that blessing. And you may wonder, what's this mean? What's it like to be a child of God? God gives us the right to be born brand new. It's like a do-over. Take your mulligan and golf. Do it over. That one didn't count. You know, that's the great thing about Jesus. Jesus says, I know what your past was. 
I know where you came from. I know how you were treated when you were being raised. I know the things you've done. I know the things people have done to you. What matters is is that right now, I want to do something new in your life. I want to make you my child, says God. I want you to come into my family with all the rights and privileges of being a child of God. You have the right to be born brand new by God. And I know sometimes it's hard for us to grab a hold of that thought that we have that right in our life to be somebody new, the right to be God's child, to be adopted into His family, to, be, to have His grace and His mercy extended to us. That's hard for us to understand. And sometimes we may even look at that in our life and say, well, I'm not worthy to receive that. How can this even be a reality in life? I'm not worthy enough to accept God. But God said you are. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through from heavens, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. That's your belief that we made just earlier, the right to believe and become the child of gold. God, hold on to that. Hold on to that confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus came to this earth, and He lived on this earth, and He faced every temptation that we all face. He knows what it's like. He experienced it. (coughs) He was hungry. He wanted power that wasn't due to be given to him yet. He, He wanted things. He wanted the respect. Look at the temptation that the devil gave him in the wilderness. After not eating for 40 days? I don't do well if I miss lunch. I can't imagine not eating for 40 days. And then have somebody come and tempt me with food. Jesus had the power to say to the stones, become bread and eat it. But he didn't. Because he was fasting. Because he was being fed from God. Because he was God's child. Oh, wait a minute. I can become God's child. I can live from God my bread of life. Stop and think about that for a minute. Because I become a child of God. But if we continue in the Scripture then, what does it tell us? It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, you have the right to come to the throne of grace. Jesus says, I went to earth, I died for you, I gave you the right to come into my throne room. 
and to go face to face with my Father. And you don't have to be afraid. You can come and you cannot worry that God is going to just smash you like a bug because you're an idiot. I, I, I'm speaking from experience because I feel like sometimes I'm an idiot. And if I go into God's presence, He's just going to squash me like the, the fly that's flying around annoying me. Right? God's not that way. What does it say? You will find what? Mercy. God says, I know. I know what you're facing. I know what you're struggling through. You have the right to come into my presence. And I will give you the mercy that you need. I will give you the grace that you need. I know you deserve to be squashed like a bug. But it's okay, I'm not going to do it. I know you might not have made good choices, but I'm going to pour my grace out into your life and I'm going to bless you. Because you have the right to come to my throne and you have the right to ask of me. And when you need help, God says, I will be there. Because He's there all the time for us to call on Him. So we have the rights as, as to be called the children of God and, and as the right of being a child of God, we have the right to enter into His throne room and to seek His grace and His mercy and His help. But how in the world can I ever live that out? I mean, the things in this world just sometimes just really come in on us. And, it, and how can I continue to live this out? And, and Jesus gave us a helper. Look in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that we have freely, that have been freely given to us by God. So now, not only do you have the right to have Jesus as your Savior and become God's child, and the right to obtain His mercy and His grace at His throne, now you have the right to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you on a daily basis. God wants to indwell you in the form of His Holy Spirit. He wants to live inside of you. That, that inner part of you where your decision-making process comes from. That everything comes out of. He wants to be in there. He wants to be the part of that. You have the right to receive the Holy Spirit and to know what God is telling you. Do you realize that? Do you know that you have the right to have God living inside of you in the form of His Holy Spirit and telling you what He wants you to know. Don't forget your last right to approach the throne of grace and He will give you grace and mercy. 
Because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, He's not speaking ill. He says, God loves you. Johnny, God loves you. He says, you're my child. He says, I want to do great things for you. The Holy Spirit inside of us tells us what God is wanting to tell us. And God's wanting to tell us, I love you. And I want to do awesome things with you. You're an awesome person. Just let me work in your life. Those are the things that God is telling us. Read the Bible all the way through. God is saying, I want to do awesome things in you. I want to make you holy. I want you to grow into a special person. I'm doing great things for you. God wants to tell you awesome stuff. And you have the right to receive the Holy Spirit and to know what God is telling you. And you want to know why you really are going to know? Because if you continue on down in this 2 Corinthians passage, you come to the second half of verse 16, and you read these words, but we have the mind of Christ. You have the right to have the mind of Christ. What does that look like? What does that mean? When I first read that, I sat there looking at that going, I don't know. But I know this one thing. I'm sorry, God, for not living in that right. Because I use my mind for a whole lot of things that are not the mind of Christ. And before I could go any further, I had to talk to God about that. Because you see, as a child of God, as one who has been the, had the right to approach the throne room of grace, who has the right to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him, has the mind of Christ in him now, things are going to look differently. You're going to think differently. Thank you. You will not have the world's reasoning. You will not think the way you used to think. You will not look at things the way you used to look at them. Stop listening to what the world is telling you about how to think about things. Stop listening to the world when they tell you, you need to think about yourself, you need to push forward, you need to get ahead of everybody else. Stop listening to the world when you say you've got to have this big a house or you've got to have this many cars or you've got to have this many children or you're not worthy. Stop listening to the world and start listening to the mind that God has given you the right to tap into because He's put it in you with the Holy Spirit in your life. And God is speaking to you through the mind of Christ which is in you. You have the right to have the mind of Christ. Now, I do want to say this. 
I have a couple disclaimers in this passage, or in this message. First disclaimer, that can be scary. When you start thinking differently than the world, when you start making decisions that the world says that's crazy, hadn't had an had uh, exit interview with my one professor at college. And I remember him asking me, what's your plan after college? What are you going to do? And I remember telling him, I'm going to seek God and see where he leads me, and I want to follow after whatever he wants me to do. He went, huh? <laughs> you, you see, when I was in college, I placed second in the eastern United States in tree climbing. I was the second overall contestant in mid-Atlantic landscape field days. Woohoo, big deal, right? There was a bunch of colleges competed in that in the eastern United States, including Penn State, including SUNY New York, including others. I was second overall competitor. You see, I was expected to take a job in a landscape company for $35, $40 an hour, and that was back in 91. And I said, I don't think God's leading me there. And he said, why? You see, there's something different about your thinking when you're a child of God. There's something different in your thinking when you approach the throne room of grace. Whenever He begins to pour His grace and His mercy into your life. There's something different whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you and, God, and Christ's mind starts to overtake your thinking process. Because all of a sudden you have these rights that the world has no understanding about now. You have the right to say, I don't want that promotion because it's going to make me do something I shouldn't do. Or you have the right to say, I will take that promotion because God is sending me that way. but you have the right to hear what God has for your life. What's the plans God has for your life? I tell kids as they're getting close to ending high school over and over, have you asked God what you want to be when you grow up? Everybody's always asking kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Teenagers, start asking God what He wants you to be when you grow up. Start seeking God. As a believer in Christ, you have the right to have the mind of Christ. You have the right to approach the throne. You have the right to listen to what God has to tell you through the Holy Spirit in your life. He's got good plan for you. He's, he's got love and advancement and awesomeness for you. Listen to Him. He wants to send you in the right way. He's not a killjoy. He wants to send you out with blessing. You have the mind of Christ. And this can be really scary when it looks different than the rest of the world. Because scriptures tell us that we are strangers and we are aliens in this world. So you're going to stand out. You're going to look different. 
And that's great. Because you're looking like Christ. But I want to tell you this. It may seem scary, but it's not. You want to know why it's not? Because in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is telling a young man who is heading off into ministry these words. He says, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, spirit of fear but He has given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And other translations record that as being self-control. You have the right to have power and love and self-control. You realize that? You have that right. God has given you this spirit. You're going to need power in this life to overcome the fear of all this change, of all this new thinking, of all these different things that are going to happen in your life. You're going to need the power to overcome that. You're going to need love because when you get a whole bunch of that power, you can abuse that. And we see that so often in our society for those who are not following God, how they overexercise their power because they have not love. But God has given you the right to have power and love in an equal balance along with a sound mind or self-control. Because quite frankly, this world's going to drive you crazy. True statement, right? This world is going to drive you crazy. And they're going to look at you and say, you're nuts. And you're going to say, no, I'm a child of God. I believe that Christ died for my sins. And I believe that I have the right to become the child of God because Jesus said so. I mean, that's the biggest trump card out there. Jesus said so. You have the right to have power, love, and self-control. Because there are, there are things in this life that you're going to need to do. You see, God didn't just say, well, okay, great, you're now my child, you can come to me when you sin, yeah, you have these rights, and then just let you hang out. No, God's got a purpose for each and every one of us. He's got a job for us to do. He's got places for us to be and things for us to do. And being a full-time pastor or something isn't maybe on your list. Maybe it is. It might be being a mechanic. It might be being a police officer. It might be being a prison guard. It might be being a heavy equipment operator. It might be a desk worker or a nurse. But God is calling you to do things. And because you have power and love and self-control, you're going to be able to do these things. And I know some of you may be looking at your life saying, yeah, but I screwed up way too much. God can't use me. I'm too dirty. I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. 
Well, we're going to give you the next right you have because that's going to defunct that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You have the right to be a vessel of honor. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've been used for. I don't know what's going on right now in your life. I know this much. God says you have the right to be sanctified, to be cleaned up, to be made holy, to be set apart, to be a vessel of honor. You have the right to be holy. You have the right to be that special piece of use for God. You have the right to be useful to the Master. You have the right to be prepared for every good work. It doesn't say only if you didn't have this in your past or only if you did this when you were growing up. No. It says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. You have the right to be a vessel for honor. Remember that. When you're making decisions about the things that you're doing, the places you're going, the people you're hanging out with, remember, you are a vessel of honor. You are special, a prized possession, used for holy things in God's hands. Don't just waste yourself on trivial, worthless stuff. You're a vessel of honor. Don't give yourself over to unholiness and wickedness and sin. You're a vessel of honor. Choose Him. Walk with Him. Allow the right of being a vessel of honor to overcome you and walk in that. You're special. I can't tell you that enough. Too often in this world, we don't feel special. Or we feel special for the wrong things. God says, I want you to be a holy vessel, useful in my hands. And he'll do the work. All you got to do is say, God, I want it. And you have the right to be a holy vessel used for him. And I know I'm not Jesus. I haven't lived a perfect life. I know what it's like to fail. And I know what it's like to face hard times. And I know what it's like to, be feel, to feel left alone. And I know what it's like to do dumb stuff. But if we continue down in 2 Timothy and we go to chapter 4, we see these words. Paul's writing, 
And he tells Timothy, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Paul being put on trial, no one came to stand with him. No one came to support him. No one was there for him. But he said, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. You have the right to be strengthened, to be delivered, and to be preserved. When you are walking as that holy vessel that you have the right to be, and you are doing his work, and, and, and I don't want to, I, I want to keep emphasizing, doing his work does not mean you're standing up here preaching. Doing His work means when you're interacting with your neighbor, you are showing them love. Even in an unlovely moment. It means you are living out a Christ-filled life in all things. Because you have the right to be the child of God. It's your new heritage. It's who you are. You are a child of God. I remember talking to my friend one time who kept saying that she was a crackhead and I told her, stop it. That was your past. You're not a crackhead. You are a child of the Most High God. It's your right to be the child of the Most High God. It's your right to have God stand up for you and strengthen you. It's your right to have the Lord deliver you from every evil work. It's going to get lonely when you're doing what's right. I'm telling you. We will be the odd man out at times. When we're out in this world. I think that's partly why this gathering is so important. Because we don't have to feel alone here. But there are times in your job you're not going to be around other believers. You're going to feel alone. The decisions you make based on what God is speaking to you that you have the right to hear are going to make you look different. And you're going to be looked down upon. And people are going to try to come against you because you're different. Because it's going to show their sin if you keep doing what's right. But it says here that God will deliver you and He will preserve you. I don't think any of us are going to end up getting thrown in a lion's den. I don't think i got to worry about a lion trying to eat me. But I have had people try to destroy me in other ways. And when you continue to love and you continue to do what's right, God exalts you. God will show up. God will strengthen you because you have that right. And He will deliver you. Because you see, 
In this passage, it says, this deliverance is not just for yourself. This strength is not just for yourself. Paul said it was so that all the Gentiles might hear. When God pours into your life this strength and this deliverance and this preservation, what are you doing with it? Are you using that to further the kingdom? That's what Paul said. Paul said this is so that everyone can hear that God loves them. And God wants to adopt them into his family. And he wants to give them the right to be children of God. First Corinthians chapter 10 tells us this. All things are lawful for me, but, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. I want to tell you something, and this starts to get a little bit more difficult. You have the right to seek others' well-being ahead of your own. Jesus sought our well-being above his own. He came to this earth and no one paid any attention to him. Well, a few people did. But there were so many people mad at him that they killed him. Now he's God and he rises again and he conquers death and gives us the right to become children of God. But he didn't seek his own. He sought us. He came for us. He came for you. He came for me. How much more should we do the same? We're worried about, did I get the respect I deserved? Or did I get the payment I should have got paid? Or did I get this? Or did I get that? Forget it. Was the gospel shared? Did you see your brother grow? Did you lift, did you lift somebody else up out of the pit they were in? Yourself doesn't matter anymore. God gave us the right to think of others above ourselves. It's more than worrying about our own body. It's to edify the body of Christ. Are you worried about what position you're holding? Or are you worried about lifting your brother and sister in Christ up and seeing them grow and seeing them do better? There's too, there's too much in this world of everybody trying to crawl over everybody else to get to the top. It's time we start pushing people up. It's time we start helping one another. This is, this is who God created us to be. This is the right that we have. We have the right to do this. We have all of these rights. We have the right to become a child of God. We have the right to approach the throne of grace. We have the right to receive the Holy Spirit and the right to have the mind of Christ. We have the right to exercise His power and His love and His self-control. We have the right to be a vessel of honor. And we have the right to be strengthened, delivered, and preserved. And we have the right to take care of others. But I'm going to throw you a word of caution here today. 
And here's my last word of caution. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, we're going to start. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Do you realize you have access to all of these rights, but you also have the ability to not receive them? Esau, because he was out, he was the firstborn, whenever his dad passed away, he should have gotten twice the inheritance of all his other brothers. And because one day when he was out hunting, he came in hungry, and his brother, who was wrong also, bought his birthright with a bowl of soup and some bread. You see, Esau looked at the birthright, looked at the rights that were his as being the eldest son, as having only the value of a bowl of soup and a little bread. And I'm afraid that we as believers in Christ too often look at our rights as believers in Christ, as that worthless. That for one moment in time, I will enjoy this drug, or I will enjoy this sexual experience, or I will enjoy this promotion, or I will enjoy whatever. For this moment, I will partake in this or that or the other thing outside of God's will because we don't see the rights of Christ as having the value that they have. Our country may have been founded on some rights, and we may think that they're trying to be taken away from us, and I see people fighting about that all the time, but as time we as believers in Christ start to stand up for the rights we have as believers, It's time we start living in the rights that we have as believers. You are a child of God. If you have received Him as your Savior, you are a child of God. If you haven't received Him and you want to, come and talk to me or Jeff today. Or some of the ladies, talk to Renee or some of the other women. Please, come talk to us. Let us get you started on this so you can understand the rights of being a child of God. It's so valuable that you can boldly come to the throne of grace. It's so powerful that the Holy Spirit indwells you and that His mind can teach you all things because it's in you. It's so powerful that we can have power and love and self-control from God. In every situation. It's so powerful to know that I am the vessel of honor in God's hands. 
It's so powerful to know that I can be strengthened and delivered and preserved no matter what I'm facing. It's so powerful to know that I can lift others up and not worry about myself because God's going to take care of me. Don't forget your rights. Don't make the choice today like Esau and say, I'm hungry today. I don't need the right of God. Wow, you gave something so valuable up for something so little. Know your rights. Live in your rights today. You have the right. Don't forget it. Don't forget who you are. Live in that. Let's stand together as we close. Father God, I thank you so much that you have bestowed upon us these rights. Not because of how we look or not because of the things we've done, but because you are God. And you chose to call us into your family and you bestowed these rights upon us. Thank you, Jesus, for making the way. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling us and teaching us these things and showing us these things. God, may we walk through our life displaying the rights of one who is called the child of God. May we live like those who know you and love you and serve you. Thank you for what you are doing in us. Be praised in our life, we pray, in your Son's name. Amen. Thank you.